Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, with your wonderful selves to this thing that we call Bow on Bulls on BallSports.com and anywhere you're getting your podcast. Trust me, we are there. I am Big Dave. I'm seated up. We are back at y'all with a brand new show. It's been a minute. Uh, I told y'all before, if it's been this long, it's simply because Dub does not want to do a show with D. Jackson. Why don't you want to do a show with D. Jackson, Dub? Because the show is called Ball With Me and the CWB Day. That's why. <laughs> but, you know, he said he'll sit in for me. You know what I'm saying? So we don't have just a two-month well, lull, you know what I mean, well, in the show, bro. We'll, we'll sign for a two-month contract to be on the ball, ball podcast. But no, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, sh- show your love and, and knock out a show with him and let's not go another two months without putting out something. You know what I mean? We got to keep the people out here, man, because they are buying our hoodies, showing us this kind of love. We must reciprocate the love, man, and we appreciate it. So we got a great guest on here today, man. Um, it's a brother that I really do admire his pen game. Like, it's pretty special when I read it. Uh, I always feel like a good writer, you can hear their voice when you're reading it. Like, you hear them talking to you like they're actually talking when you're reading that. And he's one of those writers that kind of do that for me. Uh, senior writer for The Athletic. You see him on the Bulls beat all the time, always honest, always straight up. And that's what I appreciate about him, man. You can follow him on Twitter at Darnell Mayberry, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Darnell Mayberry. What's happening, sir? I don't always have it right, but I'm going I'm to tell it like I think it is. Hey, you ain't hear me say that. <laughs> yeah, appreciate that. Appreciate that. Sure, Glad to call you, man. Thanks for having me. Man, thanks for coming on here, man. Uh, before we get into the Bulls, uh, I kind of want to talk to you about Money Talks uh, and what you're doing with that. So could you break that down for the people exactly what that is that you have put together? Yeah, I appreciate you asking, Dave. It's a, it's a financial literacy journal is what I'm calling it. it and it's chronicling me and my nine-year-old daughter, Parker, road to, to financial freedom. And we're sharing our story and our journey to educate ourselves with money and every topic uh, surrounding finances, personal finance, and, you know, but just trying to share our story uh, with the world. We're hoping that we can inspire others to, to be smarter with money as well. Uh, and it's just a real transparent uh, look at our lives behind the scenes uh, with everyday decisions that we're making regarding money and trying to be better with earning and spending saving and investing uh, and, and trying to get out of this rat race, man. There's so much stress and anxiety and depression, and all of these things that affect us. And a lot of times, you know, money is at the root of that because we don't have it, because we desire it, all of these other things we got things that we want to do in our, with our lives. Uh, and I just feel like, you know, there were so many things that I wasn't taught that once I had a daughter and she started to grow up, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to allow her to grow up like this. So, uh, I wanted to teach and instill in her all the things that I didn't know, uh, so that by the time she's of age, she's going to be a financial beast, man. And and uh, mm. and if I can teach her and help others along the way, then, then I'm uh, doing something that's fulfilling and important for me. Wow, man, that's special, bro. Like, what was it? Was it your daughter that made you say, "Hey, I need to get this together"? Because it seemed, you know, just as a brother who doesn't have a kid. You know, I'm sure I look at money a little bit differently than somebody, you know, who you have to provide for. So was it your daughter that kind of brought you there? Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm a private person by nature and I don't like sharing things with other people who aren't 
you know, in my circle. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is an opportunity uh, when I saw that there was so much that I didn't know uh, and that I need to instill into her. Uh, you know, it's just the things that everyday people could benefit from as well. And, uh, you know, enjoy that time that you have right now where your money is yours, bro. Because <laughs> <laughs> when it changes, you know, it, it makes you more disciplined. It makes you more, uh, more of a steward for what you have. Don't just trick off your money on the same thing before so uh looking at it that way i, I realized that yeah it might be a little late for me um uh, but it's never too late you know but if i can get her started at eight years old she's nine now but i started at eight man the the, the, the world is her oyster man she's gonna have endless possibilities to do whatever she wants and, and if we could all adopt that mindset before it's too late or before we get later in life imagine what we and, you know, financial literacy is something people don't get until they get older, right? So, Darnell, like, your experience personally, when you, when you grew up, you know, do you feel like you was uh, maybe not taught or maybe learned at a later age on how to deal with your finances and, and, and sort of thing as you get older? Do you think, do you, think you got, uh, you just kind of like late in the game in that aspect and you want to provide your daughter that kind of knowledge early on? Yeah, that's exactly what it is, man. I mean, there's so much that I was not taught. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm talking about investing and, and, and the stock market and things like that, that just in, in my household, you know, that those were foreign concepts. Uh, but that's the way to build wealth and, and to increase, uh, you know, your, your resources. So that's what I want my daughter to learn. Um, and as long as she understands those things that I feel like I've done my job, um, I'm going to be here. She has love. She has support. She has, uh, you know, all of the resources that she needs in those regards. But if I don't equip her with uh, a, a thorough education of finances, then I'm not doing my job. I'm not equipping her for everyday life and preparing her for the world. All right, man. Uh, let people know where they can follow this at, where they can, you know, get that information from you. Yeah, I'm at. Substack, moneytalks101.substack.com. Uh, I tweet out a lot of the links uh, on my Twitter at Darnell Mayberry. Uh, I'm just trying to build this thing, man. So if you want to be inspired and hear a real-life journey, uh, started from the bottom. I make a modest salary. Y'all know it's Chicago's expensive city. Uh, so you know, I, I'm not starting with, with much, but you know, I'm, I'm grinding and I'm showing that there's a way possible uh, to go forward. All right, man, I'll definitely, uh, we'll definitely be putting that back out uh, again on our social uh, media platforms as well, so people can get in tune with that. That's just a really dope thing to do, man. But um, let's talk about um, why you earned that modest salary. <laughs> and, and that's uh, talking about these Chicago Bulls, man. Um, because your pen, sir, has has been on fire uh, since the season <laughs> has ended. Um, the first one was after the. Uh, press conference with Arturis and, and Billy Donovan. And I mean, I feel like you spoke for a lot of people uh, on that one. People called it, you know, uh, scorching, scathing, woodshed, you know, however you want to put it. Um, I just called it real. I just thought you were being straight up and honest about your assessment of Arturis and the season that he kind of had. Um, was this something that you saw at the press conference that kind of set you off or was this something you already had in the chamber to write? <laughs> um, both. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. <laughs> um, no, because like 
let's just back up. The man only speaks a certain amount of times per year. He only has a certain number of occasions to improve the roster or the franchise per year. And when those two things uh, don't align, like when you're only speaking so many times and you're not making moves, something's got to give. Like we attack, not attack, I shouldn't say that. We uh, evaluate players every single game. We evaluate the coach every single game. But when it's the executive, he's allowed, you know, or or she is allowed to speak three times a year. Like, that was the thing for me that's like, you know, if you're going to speak three times a year, and I don't care what you say. I care what you do. If you're going to do nothing, literally two out of those three times uh, over the last calendar year, that's unacceptable. Um, I think I phrased it at one point as um, malpractice. And like how how do you have a mediocre team and decide we're good, we're gonna ride this out three times? That's that's malpractice, man. And so he deserved it. Um and I didn't think that it was too much because how often do we evaluate the front office? Mm-hmm. If this is the end of the year and this is the look back period, to me that's fair game. Great points, man. Great points. It's not. It's almost almost as if you do that. You sort of sort of like uh, put, kind of send a message to your fans that it's everyone else's fault and not ours, sort of thing, right? We know what we're doing. It's the player's fault, <laughs> sort of thing. That's what it kind of. We do that. That's like the White Sox kind of you know mentality we kind of feel in Chicago right now. But check this out. We knew it was the player's fault because they're not good enough. Mm-hmm. They don't have the roster to compete with the Milwaukee. And the, the Boston and, and the teams that we know are the elite. But whose fault is that? Mm-hmm. It's, it's the front office's fault for not going out and getting better players, uh, more skilled players. So uh, at that point, you know, the players did what they could do. The coaches, staff did what they could do. But at the end of the season, when you say, all right, well, you've missed the playoffs. Um, it was a disappointing season all the way around. We were relatively healthy. Then, then it's time to look at the front office. Yeah. I agree. And you know, you know one, you know me, Don. Like I've been on AK side from the jump street. And to the point, yeah, to the <laughs> point where when I said it, I remember you hit me up like, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, bro, I am, like for real. And for me, but there has to be logic behind what you do. If it's not logic behind it, then I can't support it fully. And this season was really devoid of logic and the moves that he made. Like you said, it didn't make any sense to not go get any three-point shooting at that trade deadline or even before the season started. And then on top of that, to come out and say, well, you know, we got some pretty solid shooters here. And I'm looking like, but bro, like the numbers are literally telling you they stink at this, not bad, stink. You know what I mean? At this, bro. And to do absolutely nothing and to just try to put it back out there was wild to me. And it was, I I don't know why that turn was so drastic for him because he struck me as somebody that was completely competent with his finger on the button of the team, knowing exactly what they need and can move forward and get those things done. But coming into this season, it was like, nah, we good. You know, we just going to run this back and we smooth. We don't need no help. Like we already got what we need. And Billy's telling you, we don't, you know, the players are telling you they don't, you know, all these things are saying that. So 
I guess I'm asking, like, what do you think he's kind of assessing, you know, when, when he's making these kind of decisions about the three-point shooting? Because now that the season's over and it doesn't work, he's like, oh, yeah, we need to fix it. We like, we know that, like, you know, you know, we need to get it done. But what do you think was his assessment or do you have an idea about what his assessment was uh, during the season as it was going? I take him at his word that he put something together. He wanted to see if Lonzo could get back. And um, he wanted to see if this team, this roster could, could prove that it was what he thought it was. Now, I think there's two things from there. One, is he a man who can't admit he was wrong? Um, because we, we could see that even at top performance, this roster wasn't, you know, like it was flawed. It still mm-hmm. lacked a lot of things that it needed to compete for a championship. So, um, and, and DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic are not spring chickens. Like, they're, they're getting older. So the, the window for this roster as constructed is not, very long so it's not very it's not very uh, you know you don't have much duration for this 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 core so Mm -hmm. I just think that if he is the type where he can't admit his mistake that's a problem the Mm -hmm. second thing is if he's being and I keep being told that this isn't the case but if his bosses the Reinsdorf are saying this is it like you if they're putting any kind of restraints on him then you can't look at AK and say he's playing. Um, mm-hmm. But I keep being told that he has the green light to make moves and do what needs to be done to build a championship caliber team. Does it, did it surprise you um, that you didn't see Mark Eversley at all this season? I like, I like how you wrote about Billy Donovan being up at the press conference with him, because as soon as I saw that, I started texting people like, Bro, why is Billy Donovan there? Like, I couldn't understand. I had never seen it before. And my first thought was, is Billy Donovan stepping down? Like, that was my for real first thought. Like, because <laughs> it, it didn't make any sense. Like, why right. is he up here, bro, at the end of the season? It didn't make any sense. But has it has surprised you you haven't heard from Mark Eversley as much uh, this year? Uh, you know, I wrote it. I think Mark just prefers to go about his job and go home. I don't think he wants or the the attention, the the publicity, the uh, the public stance being in the in the front. Wow. Um, so, you know, when I see Mark, I say hello. Um, you know, it's cordial, but yeah. you can tell he doesn't have much to say. Um, he's not with the games and the you know, politics and all of that. Mm-hmm. I get the sense just from my interactions with him, like so day to day or every day uh, interaction that he is that that type where he just wants to kind of come in, do his job, and go home. He's not concerned or bothered with the, the, the extra that comes with his job. Uh, and and I applaud him for that because there's a lot of executives in the league. Uh, there's a lot of uh, people in the league who are so caught up in that and are trying to get ahead. Uh, and it's things like Mark's not that type. And uh, so that's my personal perception of it professionally i was wondering why he's not up there and i've been asking since they came what is your role Uh, and that Mm. this piece wasn't the place for uh elaborating on that but but Mm. i've never gotten an answer from them directly mark what is your role with this team because now you're seeing people are starting to shift blame on him and they don't even know what he does (laughs) 
No, it's fu- it's funny, Dave. I remember when Billy got hired. One of the selling points that we talked about that that brought Billy here was that he would have had more say in the roster, right? That was that was the thing, right? And it's and it's kind of interesting because like if I was Billy, if I was Billy Donovan, I'm sure he's a nice guy and all, but I'll be like, is this my job to be up here in that Eversley job? Like, why am I why am I up here? But I guess he feels comfortable in that role, you know, uh, because he has say in the roster. I don't know if you treat it if, treat, if we, we you know we guys interact with him and the media you treat him such as like a like a like a you know a GM you know there's an A and a B GM but uh, I don't know how fair it is I guess the way where it is for Billy Donovan to sit up, to sit up at the table and he's not the GM you know it's like it's not my job I shouldn't be up here addressing these questions really even though he did ask you know of course to have say the roster professionally it's kind of odd now when you hire someone you you know i'm pretty sure everly probably said hey you know i don't like to be in the media so much if you hire me this is what's going this is how it's going to be so obviously hope hopefully this, this was a mutual agreement that he would stay behind the scenes and that uh, billy donovan will be public because i can't imagine you hired a guy and part of your job is to be part of the public and communicate to communicate to the fans and you don't do that so i got a feeling this was something that was understood when he got hired and Billy Dobbin has said the roster, and he was comfortable speaking pretty much on behalf of the GM. When well, he let, me to. Say that, let me let me also add this on, you know, just part of my job professionally and uh, in defense or in fairness to the Bulls. Uh, I was told because you know there was uh, some people who took exception to to the column, as you might imagine, that that is standard protocol for the Bulls to have. AK and Billy speak as the primary faces uh, or voices of of the organization. So uh, take that for what it's worth. But that that was uh, what I was told from the team that Arturis Karnaschovas and Billy Donovan are the primary voices of the team. So if that's the case, then don't expect to hear from Mark Eversley moving forward, uh, except for you know rare instances, uh, maybe. But and and that has been the case, you know, at trade that uh, except for trade deadline, it's just been for the most part our tourists. But uh, end of season press conferences, um, the start of the season, uh, and draft day or draft night or whatever they normally throw out Billy and our tourists. Okay, and yeah, like you, I, I met Mark once, and everything you said was everything I felt, you know, from him. You know what I mean? Like he was a straight up, you know, cool dude. You know what I'm saying? Like just not really with the gloss or nothing like that or the politics, just a straight up honest and sincere guy. But honest, I wanted to hear from him one time, uh, but I'm okay. If I didn't, the main person you wanted to hear from was Arturis. He was the main one, obviously. Um, Chris just kind of touched on the other part I wanted to get into, which is Billy Donovan. Um, Cause like he said, it's a, it's a three man unit. And that's what Billy Donovan was kind of sold uh, to be a coach here was having a say so and a lot of things. And because of that, me personally, I feel like Billy doesn't get woodshedded enough for me, in my opinion, um, because he has a say-so in this as well. And you have to play the cards you're dealt. I completely understand that. And he wasn't dealt a great hand at all. He had to play the cards he was dealt. And the fact this is a top five defense is astronomical, you know, what Billy Donovan did. But the issue I've had, and I know Dub, and I'll let him speak for himself because I know he's had issues uh, with Billy Donovan. But my main issue always when they got him was him making those moves when we needed him to make those right moves in the game. 
and you count and you saw that in that heat game when he took Kobe White out, and I still don't understand why. Um, he took Kobe White out the game, and the Bulls basically didn't score again, and the game was over after that. And he was the guy who was your best shooter at that point in time. Uh, do you feel Billy Donovan is is getting enough of the criticism, or is there some just being left on the table? Yeah, I mean, from the public, I think he definitely is. Um, internally, I think, is, which is what matters. Uh, you know, I don't – and that was, you know, going back to that, that end-of-season press conference, that was so disappointing. I mean, AK just sat there and acted like everything was, was fine. Um, he had an opportunity to evaluate Billy Donovan. He's sitting right next to you. The, 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 the clutch losses were brought up and, you know, kind of just says disappointing. you got to go back and look at what – so I'm, that to me was internally, I think that's where everyone talks about accountability. I can write, you know, everyone else on the beat can write whatever they want to write. Fans can say whatever they want to say, but accountability is your bosses firing. You. That's accountability in, at this level in professional basketball. So, you know, that's just a buzzword for someone losing their job. Um, I don't know any way else to, else to put it, but I do think Billy Donovan, in terms of the court of public opinion, yeah, he's he's gotten plenty of criticism. Hmm. Yeah, Dave mentioned I, I've I've been criticizing Billy Donovan. <laughs> All I know is this: as a coach, when when the, when the when you when the GM or your vice president says you're underachieved and you're the coach of the team, it's your fault too. <laughs> like, like that's your fault. The players are average. You're average as a coach. And clearly, you know, you're not exceeding expectations. You know, we that's how we as fans we evaluate coaches, right? Like, man, how did he do that with that roster? How how did they win that game? Well, this guy has had, according to his bosses, good rosters and with good shooters, and he's underachieved record-wise for two years, which means he's not that great of a coach. But you signed up for all those years, you know, um, and he's now part of the big three, right? So now it's like. You also have to figure in his mind, you know, also, well, he's not just a coach. He's part of, you know, evaluating the players too as well, which is kind of a weird thing that I'm going for. You know, Billy's okay. I don't think he's a great coach at all. I think he's fine. There are a lot of, he's, seems very nice and everything. You know, there are, lot, there are a lot of coaches out there who do a basketball inside it out, but it doesn't mean to translate on the court with his players, right, so to speak. And I don't think that comes through with Billy. And he's underachieved, as far as I'm concerned, with the roster. And according to his bosses, he also, he also has underachieved as a coach. And there are little things he does throughout the year that, of course, you know, in the game moments she talked about before, Ramada Rosen last year saving <laughs> those wins. That wasn't him. That wasn't Billy Donovan. That was, that was DeMar DeRozan making those plays at the end of the game, right? So, yeah, a lot of criticism, criticism I don't see from the public, you know, really, but uh, I definitely criticize him when I get a chance. You know, I'm, you know, it's what I see, what I watch. So, man, I, uh, I did some of the Miami Heat uh, series against the, the Bucks. Uh, after the bull season ended, and just watching Eric Folstra and mm. the Miami, like it was like a breath of fresh air going <laughs> from the Bulls and Billy Donovan to Jimmy Butler and the Heat and Eric Folstra. Mm. And I'm not saying that in any sort of disrespectful way to Billy Donovan. I'm saying what anyone who would be in my shoes would experience. I forget what play that was. Jimmy Butler scored that lob layup. Uh, what game that was in the Point series. five. My God. The that, was, that was game five, yeah. You know like, what? I don't I, even... Hey, how many times did 
did we see the Bulls not even be able to get the ball in bounds against the Pacers? Twice. You know like, yo, yo. <laughs> like, and, and you kind of proved the point, right? Because that, that was uh, – I called uh, I called a lot before it happened. I was like, why is Giannis, your best defender, not in the play? He's in the corner. Corner garden uh, was to do Strauss. Not doing he anything. He was on the inbounder. He was on the inbounder. No, he was in the corner. I don't think he was on the inbounder. No, he, he was, was on the inbounder, Strauss. bro. Yeah, Giannis oh, was on the other. Giannis was all okay. gay. And I'm like, I'm looking in the paint and I test the tone. But I said, I said, what is a lob? Because um, obviously Jim Bell is taller than the guy under the basket. This is an easy lob. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, so that's that's like average coach. I guess very, very good coach, right? Well, see, but even more than that, Chris, it was the fact that Lopez wasn't in the game and he had about, right, he, right, right. Old, like, oh, that's whoever he had guarding him. I'm sorry, uh Connington. He had Connington mm-hmm. guarding Jimmy Butler. That's the biggest difference, not having right. literally your tallest and one of your best defenders in the game. Bench. Yeah. But yeah. to your point, though, that's the difference between a great coach in game, recognizes the situation versus, yeah. you know, coaches who are. And they even want to be a great coach. You know, there aren't too many Phil Jacksons out there, um, you know, sports show, top 15, go to all time, whatever. Not too many of them out there. Just like players, when you see greatness, you got to appreciate it. And so, and they are, and they author our class, you know, average coaches. And, um, you know, I think the Bulls, I don't think Billy is uh, so far has um, shown that he's like a special coach. And that's just one example. Um, another one from the same series. I mean, they lose. They benefited from Giannis not 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 being 100 percent healthy. No doubt about it. But they lose um, Tyler Hero in the same game that the Bucks lost Giannis. Mm-hmm. Losing for the series. They keep playing. Uh Victor Oladipo goes down the next game. They keep playing. When have the Bulls been able to do that? And that's what I'm saying. Like, that's a coaching thing, and that's a culture thing. Culture, so, yeah. You know, you're, you're looking at Billy Donovan, and, and you also got to look at the culture that's in place organizationally. How can a – if Brad talks about that heat culture, how can they plug and play like they do but when the Bulls are missing a guy, their point guard, for more than a year, mm. it's, it's used as a crutch. Mm. That, that's unacceptable. Mm. Yeah, I won't argue that. Go ahead, Chris. No, 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 no argument right there, man. I mean, that's just – I mean, you're right. It's culture is top, top down, right? And Billy, of course, is part of decision-making, so he's kind of part of that conversation we talked about culture, too, as well. Yeah, yeah, he is. And like I said, like I'm not saying he's had the best situation. But mm-hmm. uh, I, sh- my thing, Darnell, when it's when it comes to coaching, is I know it's not you know what I mean everything is on you're not on the floor playing, but I should never be able to point directly to you and say you're you're the reason we lost. I should never be able to do that, whether it's right or not. I, if I can point to a specific situation at the end of the game and be like, you, why didn't you do that? I should never do that with a coach. I've done it with Budenholzer for years. And I, you know what I mean? For years, man, look, I've been screaming on this show about that dude. But Billy, I did it to a couple times this season. That inbounds that you talked about, where they couldn't inbound it twice (laughs) in the same time, you know, was pathetic. And again, getting Kobe out. I hated the fact that you, I I like coaches when they try anything, when nothing's working. I like coaches that that will just try stuff. You got terrible shooting. I'll be like, fine, throw Malcolm Hill in the game and let me see if he can shoot. Because that's all he really do is shoot. Let me try him out. He never played. I cried for all season long about the mentality of the team. You know, having a goon, having that guy that's like that. You got a dude that's 
literally all of that in his body in Dale and Terry, and he could never get in the game. And I just want him to get in there to set some kind of tone, and then you can take him out. Like, but you got to try stuff. And I don't like how stubborn he was in that. And that was kind of new for me. You know, I mean, you you went OKC a little longer. You know what I'm saying? And saw it a little more close. Is that is that new stuff you're seeing from Billy Donovan mentality wise, or is he just kind of been that way? Well, first of all, welcome to Dalen Perry Island. Good to have you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now that, listen, I've been screaming daily since summer league, bro. Since yeah. summer league, I've been on the daily Terry Island, brother. You have a motor, man, and, and, yes. and for a team that was so lifeless so often, that's the thing you, you have to say. Like, give him a chance. Yeah, he's gonna make something happen. Yes, he's not ready for you know regular minutes every night, but give him a chance on those nights when you need. Yes. Uh, but the but the blown leads is, is another thing that I point to Billy and say, you know, this happened too many times. You, you can't keep having this happen to your team and say, what, well, what's the coach doing? You know, right. but but the one thing I will disagree with you on and say, uh, Dave, you said never. You know, coaches are, are imperfect people, too. So sure. you know, rarely I think you should ever look at them and say, hey, I think you cost this game, you know, That's and so. Fair. That's fair. Um, you know, they, they make mistakes too, but but like you said, you can point to a couple different ones this yeah. season with Billy. I've been begging for get Cully Jones in there, and I'm like, just throw him in there. <laughs> you need a point guard. <laughs> there, Try a point guard. There are so, there are a lot of people, you know, in and around the team who feel like he's the best point guard on the roster. Uh, dude, he, if he, don't tell I watch him play. I'm like, this dude could play no. basketball, and like, he, like he, he can't throw him in a game. Like, just throw him in there. Just sucking now. Just put him in there. It's just the fact that you have, you know, it's, I don't know. It's like starving, you know, for water and you're thirsting for water in the desert and somebody gives you some water and you're like, this is not Avion? Where's the Avion? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, bro, it's water. Give me some water. Like, just give me some water and try something. And one more thing for about Damon before I move on. Bro, it was Summerlee, because I know you were there. Summerlee, when they played the Knicks and they were getting destroyed and Daylon Terry... I'll never forget it, man. It was a timeout, and the Bulls bench was quiet, and Dalen Terry just went off on all yeah. of them, yelling at them. Why ain't nobody talking? Why ain't nobody saying nothing? They saying stuff. We can say stuff, too. Come on, y'all. Why ain't we talking? And I mean, he was like, play this man. Play him tomorrow. All right? He's ready. Mentally, he's ready. Skill-wise, he's going to have to build, you know, the handles, the shooting, and his size. But mentally, that's the hardest thing to get right. And I think he's got that correct and ready and should be out there. That, that's a great callback, Dave. I completely forgot about that. And I, I ended up writing about that that moment. I forgot about it. Um, it was you know, almost a year ago now. But I will say this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm speaking out of turn, please put me in my place. But just being new to Chicago, like you said, coming from Oklahoma City, there's a different, and rightfully so, this is the third large market. There's a different patience level with Bulls fans and and I feel the Bulls organization someone asked me uh the other day in, 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 a, in a column I did for the athletic you know what what is it about the players that keep getting away the Spencer Dinwiddie the Max Schuster you know going down the line um see Jimmy Butler they didn't want to get a contract to and all of that every situation is different but you know I remember I wrote Dave you might have laughed about this back in the day I remember I wrote that Cameron Payne, that big ass Cameron Payne story, yes. and everybody hated it, yes. right? 
but I was sitting here, my job is to tell a story of what it's not understood oh. as much. And and you see Cameron Payne is now uh, in the conference semifinals starting in place of Chris Paul. And it's like, there was clearly talent there. But I think what happens a lot of times in this market with the fans and the organization is a lot of times people look at what the players can't do and what they're mm. not instead of what they are. Mm. And I don't understand that. I, maybe it's because I'm not originally from Chicago. Or, I don't know. But uh, wasn't here when Jordan. But, but like so many people, even on the beat, are like, Jalen Terry's not an NBA player. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, do you see what he does? Or are you just looking at the shooting mechanics? Or, or right. you know, like spin? Or like he does so many things well that if you're focused on what he's not doing, what, what he can't do or what he's not doing, you're missing the whole point. Let's think about him on, on Miami. <laughs> think about him. Oh get away from a team like Miami. Yeah, yeah, serious, dude. And I think you're right. Like, here, there's an immediacy here. You know, like, when you get it, okay, we need to see it now. You know, there, there isn't a lot of patience, you know, for guys to grow. Joe Kim Noah is a good example. Like, I remember when they drafted Joe Kinoa, and I loved it because I watched him in college. And I was like, bro, this dude is exactly what this team needs, bro. Like, the heart he played with and he skilled. Like, you don't just win an MVP of the Final Four for nothing. Like, that's a thing. Oh, man. Oh, man. I don't like them. Y'all lanky. Y'all weird. Like, like, I was in the minority a lot on that one, bro. And you saw what he kind of turned into. But, no, there's Larry Markin is an, another example. Uh, of it, like, I was definitely in the minority <laughs> on that one, man. But he turned out hey, to do his thing. Dave, let me say, let me add another one because I'm hearing the, the the fans sort of turn a little bit, and maybe not a certain segment because he's local. But Io, you know, I'm hearing a lot of chatter about oh, Io isn't this. He's, uh, do you remember what he did <laughs> going in the Boston Garden yes. as a rookie? Didn't Come on, man! Shot. Like you don't just throw that away. Right. Don't give up on that. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he wasn't able to handle starting point guard in his second season as a second round pick. So what? Stick with him, and he's going to develop. It's the frame that he has, the way the motor that he plays with, um, the way he gets downhill, the way he's unselfish, the way he lifts up teammates, like all of those things. Those are like championship components, and you're mm. seeing it early, man. Like you can't just keep giving up on talent. Yeah, agreed. We just did a draft on CHGO Bulls of ex-Bulls players who are still in the league. Like, and, and it was like 20-something players or so that are still talented. I won, by the way, because my, my team was vicious. <laughs> um, but it was just a list of just all these players. And you're like, yep, they were here. Yep, they were here. Yep, they were here. And we're giving up on either early or just money-wise or whatever the reason was, you know. And that's that's been a thing and Chris knows that like that's just been a thing here in Chicago they got to see it early like if you do it early they'll ride with you you know what I'm saying they'll they'll let it go but if it's something gradually like you got to progress like Patrick Williams as that example mm-mm, they not they not with that you know what I'm saying like no you didn't show where's my 40 point 20 rebound game they need that yeah. now and if they ain't getting that now then you're trash and you gotta go yeah because anyone at our age we, and I, I bring this, bring this up to Dave a lot. Like, I, like we're spoiled. I've seen the greatest player in, in the world play basketball. I know what it, I know what that looks like. Yeah. I know what, I know what a sky looks like. I know what a Harper looks like. Rodman, I know Rodman looks like. I know you know what I'm saying. I, so, Bill Jackson. So I know 
what greatness and is in a team. You know what I'm saying? How, how you operate? Sometimes I do wonder myself, if you're a younger fan and you didn't grow up in that era, era of Michael Jordan, like, what are you thinking? Do you know how it looks? So I don't know, but for older fans down there, I think, I think because we know how it looks and we don't see it right away, we may be quick to judge. Like, oh, that's not, that's not a Scotty. He's not going to develop a Scotty. That's not, oh, that's not a horse grant, you know? He's okay. And, and one thing I want to mention is that also, I don't mind you giving up. I don't want to call it giving up players, but like, if you want to trade out, you're fine. But make sure you get value back. You know what I'm saying? You know, I don't know how good I was going to be. He may never be an all-star. But, like, if you want to get rid of these guys, like, little marketing or whatever, make sure you get something back in return, you know. Just kind of think of that's on Jimmy Butler and Levine. But but you want to make sure that if you do get rid of those guys, those young guys early, you better hell get something back in return to set yourself set yourself up, you know, for, uh, for winning in the future. Just don't make that mistake. I wouldn't trade the young guys anyway. I mean – you shouldn't be. You got them in in house. Io, Jalen, Patrick Williams, Kobe. Like these are guys you can build a team with. Not none of them are superstars. Please don't get that twisted. That's not what I'm saying. But these are these are complementary pieces who all play certain styles. Um, and in a way, you know, I mentioned motor a lot, but like guys who play hard matter, and you're seeing that. You saw that a lot this season with the Bulls when they come out and look like they don't even want to be there. Those guys that I just mentioned, you never had that problem out. Um, and they're skilled. It's not like Javante Green where, you know, it's more athleticism that he's relying on. But the other guys are skilled that I just mentioned. So, um, you know, if you're, if you're patient building, uh, I think that's much better. And I, I wrote it, I said it, I felt it when they made the, the Vucevic deal that it didn't seem like they were headed in, in the right direction long term because it was a, a short sighted move. And, and I just, looking at it as they prepare for a massive offseason, I don't, um, it's not a hope, but, you know, cause, like, I don't care what they do, but um, you, would, you would think that they have learned to not be as hasty. Well, you know, for me, when I look at a team, I go, you're only going to win if your best player is top 10. <laughs> and if so, so, so in order for the, I've always said this and in order for the team to be good, Zach has to be great. The superstar. He has to be great. And the reason why we are here doubting the bulls, because we don't go, Oh, Zach's going to be, you know, anti networks or whatever. We don't do that. We just like, ah, he's coming along. He's still, he's always coming along. And I love Zach. I praise Zach a lot. I'm a big fan of Zach. Zach Levine. But obviously, he has not progressed. You know, the injuries were not, but fine. But he has not progressed uh, as as the fans want, and I think as a front office want. You know, when you make those plays against Miami, you're supposed to be growing. You're supposed to be growing past those plays against Miami. It's those two plays where you fumbled the ball and ran out of bounds and and just like moments kind of too big, wasn't focusing correctly, and whatnot. You can't have that. I watch you watching the Aaron Fox out there running around. Uh, Edwards averaging 40 in the series, and we'll be at Levine <laughs> still coming the ball against the playoffs. And he didn't have to play well in the Miami game. You're supposed to make two great plays. He could have had a bad game and just stepped up to the moment, made those two great plays and won the series, would have won a game. And I'd be happy, but he's still not, apparently, he's just not there yet. And I think, and it, and it's, it sucks because like you're only going to go as far as your best player. He has to be better than DeRozan, but he has to be better than Vooch. 
unless you're like a real Detroit team where the A1's like really, really, really good and you got a special player, Rasheed Wallace, you're not gonna win a championship. You know what I'm saying? He can't do what he can't do what Booker's doing. You know why? I don't know he could do what Booker's doing because he's not in the damn playoffs. You have to get there to prove you could do those things. He cannot, he had a chance to prove he could get there. He didn't, you know, step up to the moment. He didn't meet the moment. And that's what great players do. They meet the moment and they sell, they go to the playoffs, um, create more moments for themselves and become great. And um, unfortunately, Zach Levine didn't happen this year for him. And I think it's, it's a little, I'm a little worried, you know, about him next year again. You know, wait to see how, how much better he's, better he's going to be. Martha Mel, I'm, I'm curious your opinion about Zach Levine. Do you think he's progressed as, as you would have wanted him? And do you agree that the Bulls are not going to go as far as you want as you want them to unless Zach Levine gets better? Yeah, the, the whole Zach Levine question is the key to this franchise moving forward. I mean, they gave him the, the max contract, and so now they're either going to build around him or try to figure out a way to get off of that. And um, I have no idea what they're going to do. That's that's the fascinating thing. My, my hunch, my gut says that they're going to keep him and try to build around him. I don't know what AK has up his sleeve, if anything. Um, but but, you know, he's clearly not the elite player in this league that you win a championship with. He needs a, you know, a, a, a superstar player next to him, um, better than DeMar DeRozan even. So um, I don't know what they're going to do. I'm, I'm fascinated by what's going to happen. Um but I do give Zach a lot of credit for the season that he had coming in after the, the scope and bouncing back and, and balling, man, at, at the, you know, really last three quarters of the season. So I do wholeheartedly agree with you, though, Chris. Zach's crunch time performances leave a lot to be desired. And when you're looking at a guy who has to be the guy moving forward, it doesn't inspire a lot of confidence um, because he's he's had he hasn't had a lot of opportunities, and when he does get there, uh, it seems like there's something. You know, last year was the need that limited him. This year it was those those costly plays down the stretch in Miami that kept them from making the playoffs. So um, you want to see it. You know, even in the regular season, there are times in the fourth quarter where he'll dribble off his foot, or you know, I have this memory where he he, he rose to shoot one one year and and lost the ball. Like, yeah. Those things can't keep happening to Zach Levine. Um, good, good thing is that is this his first off season? He has to like work on his game, not hurt or expecting. Time. Yeah. <laughs> so again, as a Zach Levine, Zach Levine fan, maybe next year, so <laughs> he can make it. You know, so maybe this, this is the year. What ten? This will be year ten. <laughs> I'm watching, no, I'm with De'Aaron Fox out there, Anthony Edwards out there. All them dudes is destroying it. That's in 10 years. This is just doing their thing. He's still not there. And it's, it's like, wild because he's so he's so dope. Like, that's the wild part. Like, Zach is super dope. Like, that skill set that he has is super rare to find. But it's a mental thing at that point in time. So my pastor used to always tell me, you know, it's not even sentimental, 10% physical. And for him, it's it always seems like a mental hurdle that he has to get over. Before it was there's nobody else here, so I have to do it all. And then it took him a year of there's actually people here, you know, let me not try to do it all. And then it was, well, I don't think I'm, you know, fully ready for it yet. And 
to let me to further let me know that it's mental with him was bringing in Patrick Beverly. That really let me know, like for real, this is mental moves going on with Zach. Like, cause you saw him leading up to that all-star break. He was healthy, you know what I mean? He was fine, but he wasn't performing at that level we saw after that all-star break. He wasn't taking those threes. I saw him taking more twos and you know, stepping inside of the three-point line more than I saw him shooting those threes. Um, he just didn't look right. And then as soon as Patrick Beverly got here and said, I'm about to put my foot in your ass, Zach Levine went insane. Like, it was like, who is this dude? This is the dude I've been looking for all the time. But you are who you are at a certain point, and he still doesn't have it mentally together uh, yet for him. So if you're going to build around Zach, uh, Darnell, I'm, and I'm curious because I, I need to know what, he, what type of player he needs around him. Is it, <laughs> is, it, is it more so the type of player, or is it more so the mentality of the player that's around him that he really needs? I think you 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 hit the nail on the head with Patrick Beverly's mentality and its impact on Zach. That's a great point by you. Uh, but I think he needs a point guard. That's why I, I kind of chuckle because it's the obvious thing that not just Zach, but this whole team needs. Yes. Uh, that I forget what game it was, but they had a, a play where in the last five minutes they got that eight-second violation, and it was DeMar and Zach who did it. I'm like, this is the this is the craziest thing. Your two best players didn't have the the uh, wherewithal, the awareness in that moment, a pivotal moment, to get the ball across the court. Mm-hmm. Like that's where go get Tyus Jones. What you know, like someone who has competency on knowing how to run a team, yeah. an offense. Like that's that would mean so much to where Zach wouldn't have to have the ball as much in those final three minutes where you can drive and kick and, and he, you know, 50, 40, 45% of the time, he's going to, he's going to make that catch and shoot three pointer. Um, and that's going to be more his forte than creating and potentially, you know, causing something bad to happen because um, that's not his forte. So uh, I think he needs a point guard. Uh, I think he needs more shooting. I think he needs some some defenders around him. We've seen with Patrick Beverly, Io, um, Io, Alex Caruso, Javante Green, Patrick Williams. These guys that they've surrounded him with um, have really helped turn this team into a top five defense. But then also it's inspired Zach. And when he takes plays off, it's noticeable now. Uh, it's always noticeable. But it's even more noticeable now when you got all these other guys flying around, giving second and third efforts, rotating helping the helper, doing all of these things. And then, and if one guy doesn't do it, it's a problem. So I think it's elevating his defensive effort as well. You know, I think you mentioned some key in ball. Yes. Great point guard. But to your point, I think you were trying to say they need shooters around the Bulls need shooters around Zach is that ball created a lot of space for Zach. You know, ball does a lot of things. When balls, when ball was um, healthy, Zach had room to penetrate one-on-one Guys didn't want to be shooters. He had all this space. But he's not Kevin Durant. So balls are out there. Kevin Durant still get 30 no matter what shooters or not. He's not that. And to your point, he needs shooting and a point guard, right? More space for him to um, you know, help him get better, man. And another thing that kind of worried me a little bit with the whole thing in Minnesota, all that kind of stuff, is like if you're supposed to be the best player in the team and your team is losing and – you need someone to step up, step up and talk to the team, pep talk. You can't say nothing in the locker room because you're not doing your job. 
and it's on TV. So if you're Zach Levine at that time, the moment, right? And you're not playing with a team. You can't go, you can't say, well, we got to go all out and all this. You can't do that. You don't have the right. You didn't earn it because on TV, millions of people saw you take plays off. So then who who then does the team look to, right? To uh to inspire them to get better. And you know, and 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 so I, I found that very odd to see like like the, the they mentioned you mentioned this, mentioned this before like a leadership void that you feel it as a as a fan there's a leadership void there and when your so called best players aren't putting it on the floor and it's evident then you can't really speak of a big leader in the locker room that's what as a fan it looks like to me or it looked like to me earlier in the year you know Chris every time I, we talk about point guards or I've ever talked about point guards the one thing I always tell people is great point guards remove thinking. You just do, you just react, you just go. Great point guards remove all kind of thinking. All you saw Lonzo Ball do for Zach Levine was remove thinking. He was like, you, there's, no, there's no thinking when he puts the ball exactly where you want it. There's just reaction. So you would just get it and you see it and it's in his hand. He's like, oh, I know what to do with this. Here comes a dunk. Oh, I know what to do with this. Here comes this three. Like it was all reactionary. Rondo was great at that. You know, guys like Chris Paul are great at that. Like, they just removed that thought of second-guessing yourself or putting any thought of, oh, I have to do this, have to do that. And the other thing great point guards do is get you easy points because Lonzo would get the Bulls at least six to eight easy points a game where whether it was him just taking the ball out quick and throwing it down because the guy's down the court, you know what I mean, there's a layup. Or whether he's a steal and there's a tap out, there's another layup. You know, he always got easy points for guys so, – I wish that was a stat, <laughs> but it's but it's not. But yeah, man, I think they need that. And Darnell, you I think you hit it on the head with guys like Tyus Jones. Uh, when you say, you know, point guards like that. Like I I know they can't get Mike Conley, but I would love Mike Conley uh here for this team. I think he's a perfect uh kind of fit. So that kind of just leads me to the question of these moves the Bulls make in the offseason. I mean, they clearly need the point guard and they clearly need the three-point shooting. Um which one do you feel – well, obviously, they'll try to get both in one player, but which one do you feel will be prioritized first uh, for this team going forward? AK said something interesting at his end-of-season uh, interview with, with us. He said, you know, it's not just the shooting, but it's the right shooting. And, you know, that kind of tells me that there are opportunities. He's had his opportunities to go get a shooter. Uh, what's his name? Cork Miles for Con. Cork Miles. Yeah. That, Bulls like, killer. Yeah, he kills the Bulls. I'm like, maybe it's just Chicago. Get him in a Bulls uniform and see what he can do. But <laughs> he he got, has, is that guy on Sacramento right now? I'm like, well, where'd he come from? Who was <laughs> that? Herder? Uh, Herder, yeah. Like, oh, Atlanta. Yeah, Herder can shoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Herder, Herder balls. But um, but but Cork Miles, man, he's just he's just riding away out there in Philly. And and I'm wondering if what's stopping um AK from going out and getting a guy like that who you know can shoot. I had um, a source tell me that they had a chance to get Seth Curry, um, you know, a while back and, and turned it down. Now it might've took Kobe white, but, um, right. you know, so that's, you know, take your pick, but, um, it tells me that either AK doesn't like what it's going to take to give, give up what it, what it's going to require him giving up, um, or the players that are in question, not the ones I just mentioned. Um, but whoever's on his radar, for whatever reason, maybe it's a deficiency with defense or size, something that he just doesn't feel is adequate enough to make the trade to go out and, and get 
additional shooting. Point guard, I think, is a lot harder because those guys just aren't, it's not a lot of them available. I mean, that's a very short list of guys who can come in and, one, deserve the minutes, you know, like the Mike Conleys, the Chris Pauls, those are the types who are going to come, the Russell Westbrook even, yeah, still Russell Westbrook, like those are the types who are going to come in and, and command minutes immediately, regardless of who's on the roster. There's only so many of those guys available. Then you got to think of the guys who are, are available. Are they good enough to be able to come in and and um, and lead your team? So it, it's really tricky to get those guys. Um, and so I think that shooting will probably be the problem. The way that the Bulls just went into every game, knowing that the three-point shot was going to be the deciding factor, it got to the point of ridiculousness. And, and you can't allow that to happen again next season. So if they don't get shooting, my pen is going to warm up again. <laughs> as it should, as it should. Um, let me <laughs> let me ask you about Vooch, man. Um, a lot of this is surrounding Vooch, a lot of talk. Mainly one, because Bulls Nation, he's very polarizing. You either like him or you can't stand him. There's really no in-between on Vooch. But coming in, you know, doesn't have the contract with the Bulls, you know, free agent, can go where he wants to. And the Bulls have made it known, AK has made it known, he'd like to sign him back. He'd like to, him back here. And Vooch has said he'd like to be back here, but he also, as he should, is going to weigh his options uh, and see what's available. What do you think is the Bulls' best option uh, for Vooch? Is it signing him and running this back? Because, I mean, you are getting a, a center, as I think is like a poor man's Jokic, you know, will get you 17, 11, and 5. Or do you let him go and try to work something as a sign and trade and get those shooters in here that we talked about or get some more wing help in here or however they need, because they need a lot. So what, what do you feel is the best path for Vooch? And what do you feel is the path that's most feasible for Vooch? Man, that's such a layered question. And, and I, <laughs> I, put, I put this right up there with the Levine scenario um, moving forward, because this is the first chip that has, this is the first domino that has to fall this summer. Yeah. Vucevic and my personal opinion is try to move on and and reshape your team a different way because this big three is not it I wrote that in December mm -hmm. um you know if we bring this back and have to look at this again uh at in in October again that pin's getting hot like <laughs> boots should have been traded at the deadline Mm -hmm. um yeah, I agree and and it's hard for me to say well this is the best path forward because if he's back then I don't see that as a good path mm. and that's not a Vucevic thing I, I love what Vucevic gives them and I know that they love what Vucevic gives them he's a versatile center although limited um but what he gives offensively this team sorely needs uh with his shot with his shooting his playmaking uh, the way that he can uh, give you second chance opportunities, uh, the way he screens and, and frees up everyone else offensively. He just does so many things that are valuable that, that you need on your team. But at what cost and at what um, um, downside? Because he, he's not the perfect player. No one is. But you need more athleticism up front. You need shot blocking and rim protection. 
you need someone who can guard the pick and roll better than Vooch. Although, you know, some of his teammates were giving him a lot of credit for the job that he did defensively. And I don't think that he got enough credit maybe from the fans uh, because you don't have a top five defense uh, with a center who who's just, you know, uh, incapable uh, of incapable of defending. So um, I would move on from Vooch, but the sign and trade route, I think is going to be difficult now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how they do it. And that's, that's kind of why I think it's, it's such a layered question. Gotcha. Chris, what do you think about Vooch, man? Keep him or, or move on from him? Well, I agree with Donnell. You should, if you, again, what are you doing? If you, why, why didn't you trade him? <laughs> if you if you if you didn't want to uh you know uh, keep him in the first place. Uh sign of trade seems reasonable to me. The Bulls don't have any draft picks. <laughs> we have no point guards. They're, they're just not the type of point guard we need to run Billy Dobbs' offense, which is another topic that we have like four point guards. For some reason they came in offense, but ball, apparently. Uh, I don't think Bruce is the problem. Even if you bring him back. You know, uh, I don't. I don't think he's gonna make twenty. What's making? He made twenty-two million last year or this year. Yeah, he's gonna give. You know, fifteen between fifteen and seventeen or fifteen to eighteen. Right, or you, or you give him like a lot of money up front, maybe, and then back in. It's again a couple of years. He gets it. Sort of reduces. I, I I don't mind having him. Not having him. It's just that if you don't, because I don't think he's the issue. I don't think you know. And I, I agree with you. Yeah, down the line, um, Donnell, that yeah, his his skills are gonna decline, but it all depends on what team put around him. You know. If he's the third best player on your team, great, you know. But the second best player can be, you know, it can be Demar <laughs> or Zach. You know what I'm saying? It depends on how the team looks around him. So I don't think it's the issue at all. I just think if he wasted the opportunity to get a lot back from him, if you if you because you didn't trade it, trade him. So I have no clue what they're gonna do. I would like Vooch back. I'm a big fan of Vooch. I don't think they run off offense for him for his skill set. I don't think they utilize him enough. Again, that's one of the things my criticism of um, of uh, you know of of the coaches that um I don't think he built an office around Vooch uh, to um accommodate his uh, his skill set uh, throughout the game. I think it's poor. I think it's poor at that. And uh, so I don't think it's an issue at all. But yeah, big waste of opportunity not to um, trade him and get back get a lot back for him. Now you're kind of back to the corner and um, wait and see. You know, yeah. I think Vooch, I guess, don't know, maybe he knows better than I do. I know Vooch probably, I love Chicago. I'm assuming he loves Chicago. Um, He has he has kids, right? Yep. Um, So I'm pretty sure he loves the community here. Of course, there are other cities to go to. Fine, make a lot of money. But I'm betting that he'd rather stay than go. That's why I'm betting. There's one city that he would go back to that he can go back to, which would be wild, which is Orlando. Yeah. Because Orlando's got the space and the money to get him, and he definitely wants to be back there. And that would just be, man, <laughs> be wild if he decides to go back there. That would be crazy. Um, I like, to disagree with Vooch, man, on, on, on the, the Vooch point. I don't think he wants to be back here. Okay. Why? Um, and, I want and to that's because... Why. That's because He's a third. He's a third option. If he's lucky on most nights, um, he's not used to that. Um, and regardless of how we see it, you know, we're not in his shoes. Um, and he feels. I think I don't know how he feels, but I think he sees himself as 
better than the third option on a 40 and 42 team. Yeah. So in other words, if he's going to be the third option, he's going to be in the playoffs. Mm. Um, and, and if we're talking about him having to take any type of pay cut to stick around here, I don't think that's happening. Thank you, Donnell. Thank you. That's my point. What I was making with Billy Donovan. That's my point. I was making it because, like, he's that's what that's how I feel. Like, sort of speak. Like, why? Are, like, he should be. There are times when he's literally the best player on the floor, and they're going half, and I give him the ball. And some of that looks like it's on him because he's kind of passive. But to me, as a coach, when it when Stacy King, Will Purdue, Dave, Kendall Gill are yelling, speaking in code, because they can't call out the coach on TV. They're speaking in code. I can't have it on the podcast. I can't. I can to, to give him the ball, Dave can't too as well. He doesn't work for ESPN. To give, <laughs> give him the ball, give him the ball in the second half to run my office to Vooch, that to me is the coach. Another big issue I have with it. Like, it's not rocket science that, Billy, that, that Vooch didn't get the ball for five minutes. <laughs> and you call timeout, and after the timeout, you run a place for Zach. It's like, what are you doing? So, to your point, Darnell, thank you for saying that because that is one of the things which has in mind. It's like, well, here, I'm a, t- I'm a team guy. The coach doesn't want me to have the ball, be the number two guy here. I'm going to a place where I get the ball more. And like you said, to your point, Darnell, I'm number three guy and I'm not in the playoffs. Then what am I doing? What am I doing? So, I blame I blame a lot of that to me on the coach as well. I know my criticism of Darvin. It's like, you're not, your offense isn't built toward your best players. You know, and uh, Fuchs at time was your best player on the floor, and you did you literally wouldn't half a game without integrating him with your offense, and you rather had Zach or Demar, um, you know, key offense. And big criticism uh, for me for Billy Donovan, and I think that could be one of the reasons why he wants to leave Darnell too. That's a great point. Um, is that he doesn't feel like he's, he's utilized correctly in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Well, let me say that. Uh, let me move on here because uh, there's two more things I want to discuss. Um, DeMar DeRozan is probably the next domino. We kind of touched on it, danced around, but he's he's the next domino here. Um, his his situation is interesting. Uh, one, you know what he is. He's DeMar DeRozan. Like, my God. <laughs> like, that dude has been unbelievable from day one since he got here. He has been unbelievable for the Bulls on and off the court. He's been awesome for the Chicago Bulls. Just knowing that he plays for my team when he talks about certain topics knowing he's representing the Bulls just always made me feel great. And then getting to see him and watch him play basketball, just a absolute master uh, from the mid-range who actually improved all aspects of his game, who's having probably, you can argue he had uh, the two best seasons of his career here. I know one of them for sure, which was last year, was the best season of his career, but he was just absolutely uh, phenomenal for the Bulls. But, you know, Father Time is undefeated, as they say, and he's got one more year left on his contract. And we see the big three experiment hasn't worked out as they want. And you're not going to ask DeMar DeRozan to not be DeMar DeRozan. So I guess my question uh, to you, uh, Darnell, is what what would you do with um, DeMar? Do you ride this out with him for the year? Or is it kind of a wait mid-season and see? And then let's see if we can make a trade? Or do you trade him before the season? Like, there's so many options uh, for DeMar DeRozan and honestly I I think I'm with all of them which is why <laughs> you know what I'm saying keep them great trade them great like I think I'm I'm with all of them man so what what is what is your opinion on, on DeMar though I'm with you 
uh, whatever happens, I don't think they can go wrong. Um, if they can get a haul for DeMar DeRozan, I think you have to look at that. If they want to run it, not run it back, please go. I don't want to say that. But if they want to uh, bring him back for his final year of his contract, you know, it would be it would be beneficial to to both DeRozan and the Bulls, I think. Um, my biggest issue, question, concern with DeRozan is his love for the mid-range. Hmm. We can't keep talking about the three-point shooting discrepancy and not consider DeRozan's impact on that. And I'm going to be writing about it here in the next few weeks. I asked him about it at the season-ending interview. Um, you know, he tried to dance around it and I said, look, man, you can have your game all you want, but that's not what's best for the team. You know, I didn't say it like that, but you know, of course, right. right. <laughs> you know, like, do you feel like that? <laughs> and, and, you know, he gave me a, a much more thoughtful answer when I followed up and just didn't let him off the hook. Say, you know, yeah, whatever you've been doing for 14 seasons is working. That's fine for you. But your team is getting their head kicked in every night because of this one thing, primarily, generally, um, and and that can't that can't continue. So, at some point, the Bulls have to figure out that Demar Derozan dilemma, and that is how to build a team around him without changing his game or convincing him to get his toes behind the three point line and take more threes consistently he did it toward the second half of the season um but he can't continue to and it's not just a three-point shot it's also his style of play where he's slowing down the game he's hunting for that isolation mid-range uh area where he can go to work and do what he does best mm-hmm. that's going to get you a bucket more times than not uh, from DeRozan. but what impact is it having on the rest of the team and i think that's the problem uh, that the Bulls have to solve moving forward as it pertains to DeMar DeRozan. Chris, you, your feelings on DeMar? Yeah, I think you kind of hit on the head. Um, you know, we've seen veterans, you know, like Lopez, couple years ago, understood that, hey, I need to, like, improve my three-point shooting if I want to last in the league. And I had no problem with DeMar's game, but to your point, on this team, without ball, that's the issue. With ball... It's not that big an issue because he's taking less shots. Or he's taking he's taking uh, more quality shots with an off for the offense. Zach is shooting probably more threes, so the number numbers look better. But without ball or a very good point guard running the show, then you see the issue, right? So it's not all his fault that the front office didn't supply the roster the way it is. You know what I'm saying? But but to your point, one thing, and that's another thing about Billy Donovan, I, I had issues with was who brings the ball up, 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 up down the court, you know. You know, uh, having DeRozan walk the ball up the court, he, he, he talks about you want the team to play fast, but he's walking the ball up down the court. Well, give it to somebody else to bring the ball down the court. Because we see it, and DeMar is a very good passer, but we've seen it. I saw you today, you've seen times where he gets past high court and Vuce flashes to the basket. DeMar doesn't even see him because DeMar is trying to figure out what that, to your point, Darnell, where, where I get his ISO at. And then Vuce is like, I was in the paint. Uh, and he rolls out DeMar. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just looking at my one-on-one one game going on here. So part of that to me is coaching, but not, and also a lot of this roster. But to your point, Donnell, that you would like to see a, a veteran like him sort of like could tell his game to fill in holes within the roster you, or the team you're on. 
right? And that's not all his fault, but I think if he wants to stay here, if he's here, especially in the league going forward, he has to develop that that three-point shot because he's not going to have those shot attempts um, going forward in his career on other teams, on other teams, and probably with Woods going forward, right? Um, so if you get less shot attempts, you're going to have to make it worthwhile. So they're going to be at the three. We get that to the point. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally think that's a shot. There's minor shots you take. Hopefully, you know, um, Zach not being injured um, comes off and, and becomes a superstar that I want to become. And he's clearly the number one. And um, and you don't see so much, so much, so much, so many of those mid range shots for Demar and him kind of slowing down the offense. Hopefully, it's more of a Zach Levine pace offense than Demar's going forward. But that's wishful thinking. But, um, yeah, to your point, you get late in your career, Donnell. At some point, you have to like change a little bit. You got to change. Guarantee you, Demar Derozan does not believe in Father Time. Fact, fact, at all. At I heard him say, I like that mentality. I mean, that's what got him where he is. So I can't be against how he's thinking. But yeah. yeah, man, I feel that. But final, final thing I wanted to to ask you about was the young players on the roster because we kind of touched on them a little bit. Um. Ayo Dasumu, Daylon Terry, Kobe, Patrick Williams, and a guy I can't wait to see in, in Justin Lewis. Um, what do, you, do do the young guys give you any kind of, of hope that for this team as far as plugging some of the holes uh, that they kind of have? Because I have I have my hope in Daylon Terry because I'm I think I'm absolutely correct on what he's going to be, and I think Justin Lewis is going to be a player. Uh, I'm of course the jury is still out on Patrick Williams, but of course I'm rolling with him. And Kobe, everybody knows I've been rolling on that one for years. <laughs> like, like how I felt about him and seeing how his game has grown and progressed. And Io, I feel will be good for this team. We'll see if he gets another shot uh, at it. Even though I do feel like he played himself out of some money uh, this year, uh, but I think he should still get another shot for the reasons you said. But do these young guys and that kind of talent, let's say that they have, does that give you any hope? that they can plug some of these holes uh, that the Bulls need field on this roster. Yeah. I mean, I, I like their, their makeup collectively. You got, you know, I don't want, know if I should say it's not elite. You got really good shooting in Kobe. Um, you've got size, um, positional size and, and athleticism um, and defense and IO and Patrick Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got energy um, and versatility playmaking. I love when Daylon Terry gets the defensive board and pushes in transition and makes a play. Don't tell me he's a player when you see him grab the defensive board, co- uh, go in transition, and then find the open man. It's it's, it's special to watch a rookie man who hasn't uh, played but you know eighty something minutes. It's it's right. crazy. Um, mm-hmm. So. You know, are they guys that you want to surround Zach Levine with next year? Absolutely not. Right? Mm, mm. You're going to see the same thing this year if they're relying on those guys again next year. But um, I do think it's important to give them minutes and opportunities instead of yo-yoing them in and out of the lineup um, to chase the 10 seed. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you know, I, I love um, – in my head, I have Terry running point guard. <laughs> that's a that's a point man's ball. I just I just do. I the only thing he's lacking, yeah. Oh, what you say, Dave? I said no. I think he can run point personally. And and, it's, and the Kobe White is like not again. Can I pick a real point guard? But it's like 
but it's like it's like Terry. I mean, if Terry shot, it's like if he has a, you know, I I, I hate always talking about three point shots, but if it's shooting, and of course you can tell when tell when, Derek, when, when Terry plays, he's still like not, he doesn't have those instincts, he hasn't doesn't have the experience with a the court. There's certain things he doesn't see, but you know he will see eventually when yeah. he play basketball. He is another version of ball, tall, athletic, and crazy energetic. And I'm like, when I, and to your point, when I see him take the ball off the rim and go down court fast, with the especially with, with the younger unit, I'm like, that's your point guard right there. He doesn't have to like run point point, but he should be starting the offense a lot. Sorry, Kobe. Like, so I wonder how good he will be um, next year. Um, if he could actually, if he's just one of the players that looks good, it's not really good at all. <laughs> or to uh, what we hope is that he's actually all the energy and then more and then skill and, and talent and work ethic and everything. But I honestly think, man, I'll, I, I, I just go back to what AK said about the roster. I don't think he wants to change anything. I think they want to run it back. I think tomorrow's like, we want healthy together. Ava was always hurt this year. We come in healthy and do all my time. And I think he's very reluctant to change his roster. I think he'd rather not change it than change it. But I think Vooch may, may force, of course, his hand a little bit there. But I think AK in the front office, obviously, would just love to run it back. Um, and when you say that, you mean you mean <laughs> you mean that big three? When you say change, yeah, I, I, I do. Think I be think changes around that. I think sure, I think they feel before. like I think AK would, would, would like to have the big three back. Um, this is what he, I think he wants this to happen. Like I said, I don't think he's sitting there like, man, I need to trade. I think he's like, no, I want to run it back with these three three. I want young guys to get better. Kobe's gonna be way better. White's gonna be way better. And I need one more shooter, maybe. And um, you know, you know, you got Green and you got what you call it. Uh, uh, what's the guy won dunk contest? Average two points a game. You Derek know, Derrick Jones Jr. The guys getting ticked. Who averaged two four points a game? Like I love them. They're bouncy, great, but you know you don't need them on your roster. They don't make a lot of money. Those that dude, those two players could become one player <laughs> or something that could maybe shoot and do more than just jump. They could actually jump, dribble, jump, you know, dribble and shoot. So I and, and it's crazy to think that this roster. The young players look so talented, Dave. You know, Lewis, and this seems like it's like we got like a crazy deep team. Like, I can't imagine Popovich had like this. It's almost like feels like a San Antonio team that we didn't see coming, so to speak, down the road. Big values down the road. Like all these players in the background, I look talented, dribble, shoot, athletic. Lewis, Terry, give them five years, and you'll see this this team, you know, grow. Those fans ain't got that patience. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I think AK does. Fine, I think Everson does. And I think they, this is, when they got hired, they, they said to your face, <laughs> we are not going to just trade people. Yeah. But they also we, said we, they want to win now. You know what I mean? Like, but, so it will conflict with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a hard job. I agree. It's a hard job. And I'm pretty sure they're like, well, we don't, you know, balls hurt. Levin was hurt. The Rosa got hurt in the year. They don't play, play together when they was really healthy. Can we run them back when they're fully healthy? Zach healthy, Demar healthy, and then Kobe's better now. Terry's better. I, I just what I think they're thinking. Um, okay. I, All I right, man. It. All right, we're gonna get on get on out of here, man. Um, want to thank Donnell Mayberry for being on the show with us, man, and, and dropping that knowledge on us as he always does. Uh, you follow him on Twitter at Darnell Mayberry. Check out his Substack Money Talks. We'll definitely be posting that. Uh, anything else going on with you, Darnell? Anything anything got coming up, sir? Looking forward to the Dalen Terry show at Summer League. <laughs> I'll be there. How much, the how, much, how much is the average? How much is the average? What do you think? What do you got? How, 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 
six, is, seven, and six. <laughs> and, and what? 1.5 steals? Two steals? Hey, man. All, and 12. You feel me? Hey, all I know is whenever he got in the game, he did something. That's something. all I know, dog. And he, he was going to get a shot up. If you hey. go back, he was going to get a shot up in yep. whatever time he had on the floor. And he's yep. going to get a defensive board. Yup, if he played three minutes, he was going to have two points, one rebound, one block, and a steal. I promise you. And that's a turnover. What that's, and a turnover. <laughs> yeah, man. But, man, thanks for coming on with us, Darnell, man. Make sure y'all My follow pleasure. us uh, at Ball Sports, B-A-W-L Sports. Follow Chris at Ball Sports 1. Uh, pick up our hoodies. Uh, check out our uh, show on anywhere you listen to your podcast we are there spotify itunes wherever you want to check it out uh chris yeah man um great season uh for us to have you know top ball top, top bulls um check us out ballsports.com bawsports.com um they mentioned we're pretty much in every single podcast um platform there is um yeah man it's um another Full season coming up, man. Summer league coming up. Balls exciting. I'm I'm anxious to uh, talk about summer league and, and watch, you know, Terry and you, my man, uh, colleague, man. I'm a, I'm I'm riding down for your colleague. <laughs> I think you, I think right. you can hoop. <laughs> Thank y'all for joining us, man. Thank y'all for joining what we do. But we are out of here. We will catch y'all next time, y'all. Peace, love, all that. Bow.